Macworld Podcast number 253 for Wednesday, July 20th, 2011. This week's podcast is brought to you by many tricks, creators of excellent Mac programs, including those that help you manage application windows, catalog your movie collection, and easily rename hundreds of files at once. See their full collection of programs at manytricks.com. Happy Wednesday to you all, everybody. This is Philip Michaels bringing you the Macworld podcast this week. It is July 20th, as I said at the top of the podcast, and Lion has arrived. Yay. And the, the sound you hear the are, various, wild. are various Macworld editors celebrating today's release of Lion. We have editorial director Jason Snell. Hello. We have senior editor Jonathan Seff. Good morning. We have staff editor, editor. Serenity Caldwell. <laughs> so close. Hi, Mike. And um, they have rolled up their sleeves and tucked into Lion and can tell you and me who has not downloaded Lion yet, all about it. And whether you should download Lion, I I assume. I assume you have some opinions on that. So let's start off with talking about the operating system itself and uh, sort of compare it and contrast it to the the last uh, big operating system update that Apple came up with, Snow Leopard, which, um, you know, kind of under-the-hood improvements, some features, not a lot of marquee stuff. How does Lion compare to that, Jason Snell? Well, so yeah, if you look if you look back, it's been a long time since we had a major major OS 10 upgrade because the Snow Leopard upgrade 2 years ago was this under the hood kind of tweaking upgrade. There were some things in it, but uh, Lion is a big change. In fact, I, I would go so far as to say it's the biggest single OS upgrade in the OS 10 era. There are so much different stuff in here new stuff and 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 some changes that they're doing it's a big it's a big change for apple and i think um one of the uh interesting things is they're trying to serve a couple different audiences with it the sort of new user as well as all the existing mac users and it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is and whether they can pull that off um in terms of os upgrades we have known i mean this is the first one that doesn't come with a, a shiny dvd it's that's the big change here is it's a download from the mac app store um, as of right now, you should be able to go to the Mac App Store and pay twenty nine ninety nine, and it'll download four gigabytes ish. To... A little under four gigs. Yeah, and uh, that's an app that you run, and it installs Lion right there. There, um, and then it eats itself; it self destructs after it installs. <laughs> so, uh, be be warned. Uh, you get you get your one shot unless you copy it somewhere. So that's but really you can, different. Of course, you can of course download it to all of your. Um, computers that use the same Apple ID. Right. You can either copy it, and, and that's legal. It's actually part of the deal. So not only is this a twenty nine ninety nine upgrade instead of a $129 upgrade like in the days past, but but that was for the one-person upgrade, and this is basically the family pack. You can put it on all of your Macs, um, either by going to the App Store app and re-downloading that four gigabytes again on every Mac that you've got, or just by taking that file before you install it key point and copying it to those other Macs in your house and then you can install it on all those places. So it that's a that's the huge difference I think here is that there's instant gratification, which is nice. Nobody has to wait in line. Other they got you gotta wait for the download. That's about it. That's your line. Um, which is a big big change for Apple. So you talked about uh, different audiences that uh, 
that uh, this update is, is is that Apple's trying to serve with this update. How will existing Mac users, people really uh, familiar with the the Mac OS, respond to some of the the changes in in Lion? Good question, Phil. <laughs> uh, Excellent work, Phil. Well, thank you. I'll I'll be in the corner <laughs> drinking. <laughs> well, uh, you know. Uh, as you know, as Jason was saying about having you know existing Mac users and and people new to the Mac, you, you're, there's also sort of the other element, which is the iOS users who may be new to the Mac because it's a cross-platform product, or they may be um, Mac users as well. And what Line is doing is it's borrowing a lot of the stuff from the iOS uh, and putting it into the operating system on the desktop. So. Um, I think it's going to be a little jarring for some longtime Mac users because there are things that have definitely changed and the behaviors have changed and the way you interact with things has changed. Uh, I mean, it's it's an evolution, and in some ways it's good, and in some ways it's not as good, and it's going to take some time to get used to. But it it's sort of serving it's serving three masters at the same time, and and so there's a little bit of confusion there. Let let me put down my drink that I was enjoying just then, and uh, jump in on what you were saying. When when Apple first previewed Lion, I, I believe it was back in October of last year, um, a lot of the talk was about how heavily this update was going to draw on the iOS mobile operating system. Uh, you've all used the the uh, Lion update. Is are the influences? Uh, uh, very visible to the to the home user. The thing is, I think on it's sort of split into two directions because I think if you are coming at the Mac as a brand new Mac user or as a Mac user or as a new Mac user transitioning from iOS, things like Launchpad, which you know resembles the iPad, iPhone home screen, uh, things like you know the the Mac App Store, these will all be very very familiar to people coming over from iOS. But the thing that I really appreciate about Lion is that despite all of these new, very drastic changes, a lot of them can either be outright ignored or turned off in preferences. Like there's a reverse scrolling option, which mimics iOS's, you know, inverse scrolling, which works on iOS because you're directly touching something. But as opposed to when you're on a trackpad and you're, you know, you're scrolling up and the content is moving down, you're like, wait a second, this this defies, you know, 20 plus years of computer logic, you know, that can be turned off. Um, Launchpad is great for new Mac users, but veteran Mac users can just pop it out of the, the dock and never have to worry about it. You know, they Apple has done something and they've made it very transitionary. So if you, if you want to jump in and use these new features and embrace sort of the iOS side of the Mac OS, you can. But if you're still comfortable with your file system and you're still, you know, you, you like your you like your snow leopard ways, you can you can hold on to that for just a little bit longer. Yeah, it's uh, funny because in the past, Apple has put in changes and said, well, this is the way it is now. And then it turns out there was a secret preference and you go to Mac OS 10 hints and say, put this terminal command in and it'll fix it. And Apple actually put those preferences in. It, you know, every time I would, I would discover a new feature and I would start writing about it, I would realize I could put a line in the end of my review that said, um, but you can turn that off. 
Because in, in almost all cases, you can turn it off or drag it out of the dock. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. I think that's Apple saying we're not going to force this on the people who who um, don't want to do it. But we are going to make it the new default for because these new people are going to come in and we want them to think about it in a way that maybe is more familiar from an iPhone or an iPad rather than, you know, and the rest of us who've been using the Mac forever will just go, well, we'll either try it and like it or we'll just shut it off if it doesn't work. The scrolling. Yeah, scroll bars. Is, that's yeah. Is that's a huge that's difference. A, that's, it's a small example, but it's something where if you've been using the Mac for a long time, you're used to seeing these scroll bars on the side of your Finder windows and, and all your windows, and now they're gone. They're gone. Yep. You can turn them back on. Right. You can turn them they back on. They don't look like they used to, but right. you can turn them back but on. But there, there is that option. And so right. that's what But otherwise, you know. they, they disappear and they only appear when you scroll, kind of like on the iPad or the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And um, and they and as, as you guys said, they, they scroll in the other direction is basically how I would put it. Um, it it's a difference of um, now when you touch your fingers and you push them up, what you're doing is you're pushing the page up instead of moving the scroll bar down i guess it, it's a it's 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 just a reversal and um i i figured it out in about three days but you do have to give your brain some time to to push it aside the good thing is if you just don't want to change you just uncheck the box and you well don't have and, to. and it makes it makes some sense if you're using a trackpad uh, on a laptop or if you're using you know the, the trackpad with a, a desktop but if you're using a mouse like i still use a scrolling mouse it's very disconcerting. Doesn't really make sense, and yeah. it doesn't. And and there's no way to actually disable it without a great third-party um, piece of software that we wrote about recently that um, fixes that behavior immediately. Which I I immediately tried out. What's that software, John? Uh, what is it called? Um, I'd have to look that up. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll be looking that up for you, John, and putting it in the uh, in the show notes. So. Okay. People listening to the podcast can get that link at macworld.com. I thought you were being intentionally vague, not uh, <laughs> no, just just <laughs> dumb. There's, there's a software. It is Mac very Jones. early in the morning, and we have a lot of of, of lion to, to digest. There is right so much now, lion. So. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let me um, uh, interrupt further, uh, Jason. You had an interesting point in your review, also available at macworld.com, about Apple syncing the behavior between iOS and the Mac. And um, uh, whether it's really necessary at this point and whether uh, Apple's laying the groundwork for the future. And I was wondering if you could uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And- you know, it's not – Apple has gone to great pains to say that they don't think there is a future in taking a personal computer and ha- putting a touch screen on it and having you reach out uh, to this perpendicular surface and and touch it. That that's a really – it's really bad ergonomically. That people don't want to do that. They they like the you know it's it's right in front of you. Um, they don't like that. They think that's a bad idea. They they think that computers you want a, a control device that's down that is laying on a flat surface perpendicular to the screen, um, and that's different from the iPhone and the iPad. So so Apple has gone to these great lengths to say they don't believe in a touchscreen interface, but they do think that you need to um, you know have. Uh, some similarities to what you've got on the iPhone and, and the iPad. They the way they put it to me is that you know they they think this is a better way, and that the only reason that we're doing it the way we're doing it now is because we had twenty years, thirty years of legacy where you had a big scroll bar and you would click back when there weren't even scroll wheels or anything. You would click on it to move it, and so you'd pull it down, and the and the view would go down because that was what the metaphor was. And they said you know today with these devices, that's not the metaphor. So. In the long run, you know, 
I'm not sure they had to make this change today because it is abstract. You're not putting your – like Ren said, you're not putting your finger on the content and moving it like you are on the iPad. You're putting it on a trackpad and then it moves up on the screen. I do sort of wonder if there is another shoe that will drop in maybe the next version of the Mac OS. If at some point Apple wants to let you, for example, run iOS apps on the Mac as widgets or whatever um, – you would really need those things to be aligned at that point. And I wonder if maybe that's sort of what they're going for here is that eventually there's, these products are going to collide more. And for them to line up in the future, they need to, uh, they need to have some of the same metaphors. That, that's my theory. It, it is sort of unnecessary now. You can turn it off and survive just fine. Um, I didn't mind changing it. I ch- sort of changed it for science. I won't go back now. It, it's fine. It's, it's, it's just, you know... It's not that – it's different is all. But, um, you know, in the future, I, I do wonder if we're going to see the reason why they did it now and go, oh, I see. That's why they changed the behavior. At the same time, there's some IS, iOSification within the operating system that's not customizable and it's very visible. And that's in some of the applications, some of the built-in applications, things like address book and iCal and even mail. Um are much more similar to their iPad counterparts than to Snow Leopard counterparts. And the the new way that Address Book looks and that, I, um, and that iCal looks are very much like what you'll see on the iPad. And there's nothing you can really do about that. So some of the, some of the behavior and some of that stuff has changed. And you know, we Lots can, of popovers and yeah, and we, we you yeah. know we we could argue and and in some of our reviews we will argue about whether some of those changes are, are are good or bad, but for something like mail, you get some improved functionality I think on the Mac that's been on the iOS. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and so in some ways you get some really great features that have been missing, and in other ways you get some features that seem like they're trying to just draw the two. Um, OS is a little bit closer together, and it's not necessarily something that's beneficial to the desktop, to the Mac yet. Well, you know, I think it actually makes a lot of sense because if you're talking about Apple's two platforms, and especially address book and iCal, things that they want to sync, you know, that have been syncing in mobile me and will be syncing in Apple's forthcoming iCloud service, it makes sense to have those sort of share parallel parallel paths. So, for instance, you have a new iOS user that's opening up something on iCal if they're getting a Mac, they want the sort of the same functionality to a certain extent. I don't know. Lion in general feels very much like a transitionary OS to me, where there are a lot of really big new features, and they're all fantastic. Like some of them are fantastic, some of them are jarring to to old longtime Mac users. But on the whole, I mean, I feel like it's very much Apple planting their flag in the ground and saying, "This is where we're going with things. We're giving you options to turn them off now because we realize that." The world may not necessarily be ready for it yet, but keep your eyes open. Watch where we're going. Yeah, it is a little troubling because if you think back to Steve Jobs last year, talked about um, I think at the D conference talked about uh, Apple saying that computers are like trucks and that the iPad is more like a car. It's a little confusing because there's a lot of carification going on in Lion of the Mac, mm-hmm. which. I understand it from a sense that they've got all these people who are using these other products, and so you want to make it a more comfortable experience. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense to make the Mac into that 
car because they already have that in the iOS. And and Mac users, if the Mac is indeed going to be a, a truck that's more versatile and and more powerful and for very specific use. Some of this, some of the stuff, you know, doesn't follow. So I, I, that's my the the ongoing kind of concern I've got about where Apple's going with Lion is. I understand if it's a bridge for people, so they're sharing the same metaphors that they had on the iPhone and the and the iPad, and it brings them over, makes them Mac users instead of Windows users, and they're comfortable. But at the same time, you know, in the long run, those the Mac the Mac is not going to be that super simple device because I think that's going to be the iPad and the iPhone. The The, the reason you have a Mac is because you want to do more. And, you know, there's some features that Apple has added, like their sandboxing for apps, which is built as a security feature, which is great. But um, pretty soon Mac App Store apps are going to have to fit in the, that sandbox. And there's some potential there that a lot of powerful features that are currently in Mac apps that we all love will be removed because they don't fit in the sandbox. And that's kind of troubling because what's the point in having the Mac if it suddenly gets reduced down in features to something that's like an iPad because it's not an iPad. It's different. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. And I suspect looking at Lion, it looks like there really is a war going on inside Apple between simplification and pushing it toward the iOS and and not. And that may be one of the reasons why Lion feels so split with these two different audiences. And, you know, I don't know what the future of the Mac is because it's going to come down to um, who at Apple ends up getting the upper hand and saying uh, this is where we want to take the Mac because I think there's clearly, you know, it's un- it's it's uncertain whether they really want to make it something that's like an iPad but a little more uh, you know, for people who won't want won't, – they refuse to buy an iPad, so we'll give them something like an iPad, but they can say it's a computer versus saying, no, this is a computer. It's – it's it, you can do more with it. And in and, and Lion, there's a little bit of both, right? I mean something like Launchpad is a great feature for new users. For, for longtime Mac users, it's completely useless mm-hmm. because of the way they implemented it. So because it's it's so much like the iPad that it's hard to use and you have to click on things and slowly drag them around and nobody – in their right mind would use that if they had a you know a lot of apps to organize their apps. So yeah. anyway, that's my monologue. I, I don't know where it where it all leads, but it, there are these two faces of of Lion. So you know, I don't know where they go next. Yeah, in the span of a few minutes, we've gone from car and truck metaphors to ego versus super ego <laughs> versus it. Ah, so let, interesting. Let me let me draw us back and let's let's tell, wa- tell me about your childhood. Mm. <laughs> Let's 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 weigh into the features uh, now and maybe address it in the sense that you've all had a chance to use Lion. What are features that have really impressed you uh, with the new operating system? Let's start with Serenity. Okay, I personally um, I've been using Lion pretty much entirely on my 11 inch uh, MacBook Air that I got last October which I actually think is almost the perfect use case for Lion uh, in terms of Lion's multi-touch gestures and in terms of mission control. And mission control, uh, which is basically taking expose from previous versions of the Mac OS and combining it with spaces to create this sort of central repository for you to control Windows and multiple desktops and things like that. Before Lion, I rarely used Spaces because I was just it was cumbersome. You know, apps Windows kept moving, and it was just it was a pain to to work with. But on the 11 inch MacBook Air and with Mission Control, 
I've been able to kind of segment programs and really, really quickly switch between them, have designated spaces and have them stick, being able to really quickly look at windows. And the, the multi-touch gestures with Lion really tie into it. It's kind of a, a double a double-edged sword here in terms of what it's doing because you have – you have mission control, which you access, you know, with a four-finger gesture, and then to get to different spaces, you're accessing it with a three-finger sideswipe. So that very much feels iOS-like, uh, but it's in a very in a very nice way, especially for users that are on a, a mobile, uh, like or a, a portable system, like like the MacBook Air, which is almost three quarters of Mac users i think now mm-hmm. are on laptops it's you know it makes sense to focus on that and it, it is there are some features that i have two monitors and basically with a two monitor setup like full screen mode just it one screen is blank <laughs> it's, it's just like not their focus their focus was i think really on those on, on especially on laptops with with those uh, multi-touch trackpads and that that's the like optimal experience I, it also makes sense that they have the desktop magic trackpad because um Line is a lot better with that because you can do all those gestures. John, any features stand out for you? Well, somebody at home who uses uh, an iMac and a MacBook Pro, both a single screen, I I like Mission Control also because um, you know making more effective use of a single screen is really important these days. At work, I have two screens, and so I have certain apps I put on one screen, certain apps on another, and it, and it works well. So having that feature is a little less important. Here, but at, but at home, that those single screens having that is really important. And um, I don't know if it's a feature, but within an app, I I really like in Mail now. The there's some of the the search features are much better, much easier to use. You start typing a name, and it finds that contact or that name, and lets you search by that person. And I've been able to find messages much quicker. The fact that there's now a built-in flagged. Um, a smart mailbox, if you want to call it that. I used to have to create one of my own. Now there's a flagged item so that everything ends up in there. Um, and then the other nice feature in mail that I really like is the threading where it actually keeps everything together in, in a much nicer way than before. So uh, as, as a mail user, mail is probably one of the biggest upgrade features for me. And Jason? You know, I'm going to say... I like those. I think they did a good job with especially making something that's more usable than spaces that more people will use mm-hmm. with the full screen mode. Um, I'd probably say versions and autosave just because I think that that's going to be a big change for people. But in the end, it's going to be good that that um, your apps will – they need to be slightly modified. But basically, they automatically save. You don't have to reflexively hit Command-S. It just keeps saving them as you go. If you press Command-S, it saves a version, but it'll autosave versions too. If you quit and you haven't pressed save in a while, it just saves it and goes away. And you think, well, that's dangerous because what if I didn't want to save that? But it saved all your previous versions too, so you can get back to other versions. You can grab specific parts of your old document and then paste them into your current version. You can revert entirely to an old version. This is version control has been around for programmers for for years, but to get regular people to do version control in a way that is simple, um, I think that's going to be big. I think that you know. People up front are not going to really find that they're using it, and then they're going to make a mistake and want to get something back and realize that they can, um, or they're going to forget to save and realize that it doesn't matter. The power goes out, but it doesn't matter because they autosave already happened. I think that's a, a real 
a really good feature for everybody. And I know that it'll be friendly to new users, but I think for regular kind of even more power users of the Mac, it's going to be a, a, a big, not just productivity boost, which I think it will be, but a, a great safety net. And you'll never get those save dialog boxes. Wait, do you want to save this? Don't save, save, cancel. Just will be gone, which I think is great. In some ways, I, I kind of think that the versioning in Lion is like Time Machine was for, for Leopard and Snow Leopard in that it is sort of forcing, you know, it's it, it's putting something that people don't normally think about or wouldn't necessarily put into place into the operating system. So, you know, your your stuff is getting backed up even if you don't do anything. And in this case, your stuff is getting saved even if you're not creating your own versioning system and making sure that you're doing things and saving things with different names and putting them in different places. So it, it is the, it's the, the idiot-proof feature for, for this um, operating system. Right. They, f- they found a way to just make it happen instead of the old way, which was, well, computers will ask you to save and you will choose a <laughs> file name and you will, which, you know, sort of made sense when resources were scant in the early days of computers. But you know, there are several features in here where it's clear somebody at Apple said, why do we do it this way? We shouldn't – just because we used to do it that way, we shouldn't do it anymore. There are, we, there are better ways to save things and so that's what that feature is. And an, another example of that is now if you drag a file to copy into a folder on a desktop or something where there's already a file with the same name, in the past we either ask if you wanted to replace it or if you wanted to cancel. Now you get another option, which is, would you like to save both versions? I know. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Which is, you know, something that maybe should have been there a long time ago, but it's something that, <laughs> that no one had thought to put in there before. And it's, it's you know, it's a sa- it goes along with that same reasoning. Yeah, it's a that, little, just a little touch. Like in the Finder, there's a all my files view now, which is basically, you know, if you, if you have all my files and you have it sorted by sort of last opened or last modified, basically it's giving you a menu of here's the stuff you've been working on lately, which for most people is probably the only finder view they will ever need because it's just a list of your stuff that you've been working on. And, you know, I used that for a little while and it, it's great. It's a great little feature that, that um, you know, chances are I used to just drop everything on the desktop and sort that by last modified date and I, I but this is everywhere in your hard drive of your personal files um, I think that's really cool why you know why it wasn't there before I don't know but it's a it's a really nice little feature that I think leverages spotlight in kind of a smart way yeah it's good stuff greetings this is Rob Griffiths of many tricks sponsor of this week's Macworld podcast we thank you for listening in and hope you'll take a minute to drop by our website at manytricks.com to see our collection of great Mac utilities and now back to the podcast so I'm hearing universal acclaim for for mission control and and some of the other features we've talked about. Are there things that are, in your opinion, not fully baked yet, taken out of the oven a little bit too early? Huh. Things that didn't impress you about Lion? Full screen mode. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got that impression from your review. Yeah, full screen mode. So first off, the people who are on the edge cases, who are tend to be the more power users, they're going to look at full screen mode and say, I can't use this because you've wasted one of my screens. And you know, as a first attempt, I understand why Apple chose not to support it. It would be nice if full screen mode let you put two apps in full screen on each screen or put put one app in full screen mode and park it on one screen and then have the other screen usable. That would be that would be nice, and I hope we see that in the future. Um, but the, the truth about full screen mode is full screen mode is not a feature that can be judged on its own. It has to be judged on all the developers who support full screen mode in their apps because there are apps that are good in full screen mode. Mail is pretty good in full screen mode. iCal is good in full screen mode. And then there are apps that are 
awful in full screen mode. And Safari is a good example of that. And some of the text edit actually doesn't let you do it. But I was just playing around with BB Edit 10 and there's a full screen mode in there. And that's a great app. But, you know, I don't need a text editor the full width of my monitor. It's too wide. Um, so what you what you need is developers to think really carefully about what interface do I want to put in a full screen with some different tiles and, you know, to make it fill that with good information. And uh, like Safari, it's just a really wide web page. And then there's one thing like the Safari Reader, well, you can put that on the side. But it's just – it's not a good use of space. Yeah, so, other, otherwise, if you're just taking an app that you could drag to mostly fill up the screen anyway and then just have the menu bar – be hidden for a few seconds until you mouse over it. It's not really a very useful feature right. at they that need, point. They need to do more. And I'm sure some of them will and some of them won't. So it's kind of going to be a mixed feature because it's Apple's just sort of given them the tools, the developers, the tools and said, all right, you know, you need to do some work here. And some developers will do the work and others won't. And that will be the difference between whether some apps are good full screen and some apps are bad full screen. I mean, the full screen integrating with spaces and mission control basically is great. That's a great idea. But, um, you know, the lack of multi-monitor support and the fact that some apps are just, you know, lousy in full screen mode kind of dampens my enthusiasm for that feature. Mm. Any other features dampening your enthusiasm, John or Serenity? I I found, you know, a few little, little things that just sort of bug me, like um, when you're restarting your computer and it, you know, by default has that re- reopen windows when logging back in and i don't think there's any way to turn that particular thing off by default you either you could there's there's a system preference but that's for something different um that's for that's for saving windows when you quit an application i think i think you can i think you can turn that off and you can also turn it off on a one-time basis by holding down option maybe Mm -hmm. when you're starting up i I think it will force or, or even when you launch an app you can hold down a modifier key and it won't reopen but, you know, that takes a lot of getting used to. You're used to declaring window bankruptcy when you quit an app or you restart, right? It's well, like, no, just go well, away. The, a lot of the times I'm restarting because I just want to I want to start from scratch and just have the, my login items open up and, yeah. and then, you know, start from there. And things like in um, in the new iCal, there's some weird things. Because the, the calendars are hidden by default, you, you can't actually see when our calendars are refreshing, when things are syncing. Now it's just in the in the title bar where it says iCal. There's a little sort of very subtle gray add-on to it that says updating dot, dot, dot that you would see if you're looking for. But otherwise, you don't really know if things are happening because of the way they hid that. And if you're looking at a month view or a week view, rather, you can – now scroll your all-day events, but if you scroll past the first little section, the day and date actually scroll out of view. So then you don't even know what day you're doing. It seems like either a little a bug or maybe an oversight, but it's there's little things like that where some of the the user interface needs a little bit of uh, of tweaking to to kind of give it that that full polish. Absolutely. I think my my personal sort of least liked feature has to come back to Launchpad, yes. even though even though I mean. Launchpad, you can ignore pretty much if you're not interested in using it. But, however... And, and if you're a longtime Mac user with lots of apps, you should ignore you it. You really should. But the thing is, I mean, the concept of it, having taught new Mac users, the concept 
is nice. Oh, yeah. The concept of people without a lot of apps who want an easy place to find their apps and graphically, you know, oh, I can associate the little guitar with GarageBand and it's right here and it's not cluttering up my dock. I understand the basic concept. Unfortunately, the implementation, the way they basically took it directly off of the iPad and then just kind of plopped it in the Mac OS and didn't really do much thinking as to how it's going to interact on a desktop computer. I mean, you have some of the basic, you know, the basic gestures. You can drop an icon onto another to form a folder. But these icons are just so spread out. You know, you have like, what, 16, 20, more than that icons on a single page. And it gets very cluttered very quickly. You're not really, I think they're organized alphabetically, but there's no, there's no real way if you want to take an intermediate jump to organize them at all. Yeah, you can reorder them by clicking and holding and then they all jiggle and it's that familiar thing. But then you have to drag them one at a time. You can't like drag your your cursor and select a bunch of them and move them somewhere because you couldn't do that on the iPad. So why do that on the Mac? Yeah, it's so so if you if you got the stock system, it is great because you got the stock system, it's got your iLife on there, it's got your other major apps. You can see them all. You download three or four apps from the Mac App Store, they show up there. It's great. You know, if you're somebody who who's got a lot of apps though, you know, it's like every little Apple script applet that I had in my applications folder shows up in there and it's kind of a mess. So, you know, it it it's it's t- it's really good for new users and novice users. It's just for the rest of us, you know, there are no features in there to make it easy to do. To make it even interesting. Super well, cool and, organizing. And the, the organization yeah. could be done in a much better way there and also on iOS devices. Like instead of having to, you know, get it to jiggle and then move it across four screens to the folder you want it in or, or where you want it, you know, why not – when it's jiggling, hold it down and it gives you a pop-up of all the folders you've created and say, move to here. And, but instead, you know, you, you have this thing where it's, it's really about taking something and putting it manually somewhere else. And as you said, when you start getting a lot of apps on an iOS device or on a Mac, you know, it breaks down and it becomes useless. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not great on the iPad and the iPhone, but it's usable. On the Mac, it's, you know, infuriating. It really is. <laughs> have you, the three of you, come across any for lack of a better word, hidden features, or at least features that haven't really made the the uh, Apple's advertising uh, that that are worth noting, uh, stuff that, that's caught your eye that's sort of flown under the radar with this upgrade. Well, Apple has a lovely page uh, that I think most users have kind of glossed over on like 250 new features in Lion, and I've been going through them the past couple weeks trying to find really interesting things. Uh, Accessibility in particular has gotten a giant under the hood upgrade in Lion where there's a lot of there's a lot of new features for people um, with seeing disabilities with hearing disabilities Um, there's one completely completely not really useful feature but the fact that the the cursor has been has been vectorized and so now when you make a larger cursor it's no longer pixeled it's like little tiny touches like that where i'm like oh finally we're we're moving towards the 21st century uh but actually in terms of like useful features for regular users you have things like uh inline dictionary uh dictionary definitions which i absolutely love and the fact that there's even a hidden multi-touch gesture there where if you do a three-finger double tap which sounds a little strange um you do three fingers and you tap them twice on the trackpad over a word or over a selected highlight like multiple words and it'll bring up either the dictionary definition or the wikipedia definition or the, th- the source of the definition right in line with whatever text you're looking at it's such an obscure 
gesture, and you know, I just know my mom is going to do that by accident. <laughs> no, like, yeah. oh, why like, did that happen? No, I, gestures <laughs> terrifies me because uh, right even before Lion, I would I will like make my my web browser page zoom in a thousand <laughs> yep. times just because I have lazy fingers. Yep. So now, God <laughs> knows what's happen. going to happen yeah. with my trackpad. Now, uh, any other uh, uh, under the radar features that we uh, we should let people know about? There are so many. Yeah. Um, well. If you use, we've got um, nothing but time. If you use, dude. A, if you use, <laughs> did you just call me dude? I did. <laughs> oh, it is early in the morning. The the um, the if you use remote desktop or uh, screen sharing, a uh, cool feature that's been available, I think on Windows or at least Windows servers for a while that that I've hoped would come to the Mac is finally here. Which is, um, you know, at home I've got a laptop. My my wife uses our iMac on the desk. Every now and then I need to get something uh, or do something really quickly on that iMac, and she's working. But you know, I can't do it on mine. I need to go get on that on that system. You can log in via the remote uh, the screen sharing app to another Mac as your user while somebody else is using it as their user, and it just works. It probably slows it down a bit, but but um, that's pretty cool. So I could like log in as me while my wife is working on the iMac. I can go see the screen of my user, do whatever I need to do, log back out, and she's not bothered. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's some great Apple Script and Automator stuff in here. A bunch of new, like actions in the Finder to make like EPUBs from text files and encode video. You can actually encode iPod video. You select a video and say encode for the iPod or in, for the iPad, and it just does it. Um, which is all using the Automator stuff. Um, let's see what else. Oh, the restore partition is like mm-hmm. the ultimate secret thing, which is there's a secret disk partition that Lion creates on your hard drive, so that if you because you don't have a restore disk to right, right. Boot yeah. from. So if your if your main drive is corrupt in some way, you used to have to boot off of a a disk and then run disk utility. Well, now if that main drive is corrupted, you can actually boot onto the restore partition that's already there. Yeah, I hold down R, I think, or Command R. When you're booting, and you can run disk utility, you can open Safari and try to find web pages that will give you troubleshooting advice, um, and you can even wipe the drive and reinstall from a, a time machine backup, or even go out over the internet and re-download the Lion installer and reinstall Lion. There's lots of options there, uh, which are are pretty cool, and that's a totally hidden feature. You may not even know it exists until you need it, but it's cool that it's there. One one feature, it's not, not really hidden because Apple actually promotes it, but um, within Address Book now, if you like to have pictures with your contacts, there's a way to uh, access your tagged faces from iPhoto, which is nice. So if you actually tag your, your people in there, you can go through and you can pick it. Um, but what Apple doesn't tell you is it also works with Aperture. And now that Aperture is so much less expensive and available on the, the Mac App Store, I think a lot more people are going to use it for, for personal stuff like I do now. And so um, it's nice that even though the feature says, you know, set f- faces from face from iPhoto or whatever it says exactly, it works with Aperture also. So if you're using that, you're not out of luck. So that was a nice thing to find out while I was playing around. I can't believe we haven't talked about AirDrop, too, which mm. is just a – I mean, if you're ever somewhere and you want to transfer a file to somebody else, that rather than having to find like a USB stick and copy the file – it just works if you're in proximity to somebody else running Lion. You don't have to be on the same Wi-Fi network. It uses Wi-Fi, but it'll actually like temporarily re-attach t- 
to it's like magic things happen <laughs> when, underneath. When you say proximity, what's the uh, what's the range? I think it's Wi-Fi range, so it's, it's you know, you, yeah, yeah, thirty feet, twenty feet, something like that. So you to somebody nearby, you got to turn it on. You say, "Hey, can I send you this file?" They open it up, and then you drag it across, and it just works. There's so no you, network configuration mm-hmm. or anything. It's pretty useful cool. in houses, useful in offices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. any anywhere, all over the place, coffee, coffee shops, stuff yeah. like that, where, where yeah, you're like, I, "Oh, I don't have a network here. I got to send up a network, and you join it, and you just don't do any of that." You say, I see you, drag a file onto their picture, and it goes. It's amazing. Yeah, and at home I've been using, you know, drop copy for, for that purpose. But this is for when you're, you know, this expands on that because you don't have to be on the same network. You you don't have to be. Yeah, use you know, Wi-Fi with, wizardry. Yeah, to <laughs> Wi-Fi wizardry. Do its I, magic I, I believe things. that's the actual um, protocol. Yes, Harry Potter was involved. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, it's he's, he's not doing anything now. So. No, no, exactly. He can he can do behind the scenes. So after graduating from Hogwarts, <laughs> he landed that job at Apple. That's yeah. good. For well, him. Spotlight. It's interesting. Has sort of integration with AirDrop and integration. Uh, with the Finder in terms of now when you look up a cute like a query in Spotlight, you can actually drag the file or the email message or whatever that you found. Say you want to drag it into AirDrop. You just can. You can drag it into AirDrop and it'll automatically make a copy of the file to send to somebody else. Or you can just drag that file and copy it directly to the desktop. It's just intuitive. It's not going to move your file. It's just going to make an extra copy of it. And you so. don't have to like open the enclosing folder exactly. and then copy it <laughs> out. or Yeah. And there's hundreds more, Phil. I'm sure so there are. A podcast. Can, can this be an eight-hour podcast? <laughs> it, it cannot. Let's move on. Um, we mentioned at the beginning uh, in hour one of this podcast um, uh, that you can only upgrade through the App Store, Mac App Store. So walk, walk me through the process. I, I got to get on the Mac App Store or I'm out of luck. What's, what's the deal? Yeah, you got to be running a version of Snow Leopard that can connect to the Mac App Store. And I have to have a 10, Core six, Duo seven. Mac, right? You have to have Core Two, Core Two Duo. Mm-hmm. You can't have you can't have well, Core Duo. You have right. to have or, or later, so Xeon I, or Core Two I3, or I five, I five, right? Mm-hmm. Just not the the Intel Core Solo or Core Duo. Those aren't aren't supported. Um, you've got to be running ten six seven or later, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's which is the right. App Store versions of of Snow Leopard. And then you go to the Mac App Store, and a line is there, and you put in your ID, and your credit card will be charged twenty nine ninety nine, and it'll slowly plus come shipping and handling. Oh wait, co- no. yeah, mm-hmm. and then you just wait as the four gigabytes comes down. Now, I'm told by Apple that if you have a very slow internet connection or have to pay a lot of uh, money for your bandwidth if you've got a low bandwidth cap, that if you're near an Apple store, you can take your Mac down to the Apple store and they will help you buy and install Lion right there. So that's one option if, you're, if you've got bandwidth problems but are near an Apple store. And then they also told me that if you just can't do that, you, you, you aren't near an Apple store and you can't download it, that in August you'll be able to buy from Apple a USB drive containing the Lion installer, um, sort of like the old days, except no disc. It's a, just a USB stick. And uh, or if you're somebody who wants to have a permanent copy of Lion installer around physically on a on a drive, that would be a way to do it. It'll be more than twenty nine ninety nine. They didn't actually tell me what it'll be, but more than the cost of the download, and that'll be in August. So you've got some other options if you really just can't um, just can't do the download yourself. So I think we've reached the point in the program where it's the upgrade or not question. And I, in terms of operating systems, I, I, I guess you always frame that, should I get on this, this 
first release of a of a major update? Should I wait for the the dot one release? Answer that for us. Put that in perspective for us. Should we should should we those of us who have not upgraded to Lion take the plunge, or should we? Uh, let you continue to do our beta testing for us. That's no, that's a good. That's a good question. Thank you. I worked I, very hard I, on I it. I think as you can more tell. praise for Phil. Um, I, I think Lion is a really good upgrade, especially for twenty nine ninety nine. Given what Apple used to charge for upgrades of this kind of magnitude, it is a first version that's coming out today. And, you know, first versions of any OS, there's stuff in it that's going to be a little weird and that people are going to discover and there are going to be bug fix updates. So if you, what I'd say is the usual upgrade advice, which is if you want to try the new stuff out and be on the cutting edge, uh, go out and get it because it's worth the 30 bucks for a, a Mac user to get because of all the cool new stuff that's in there. If you've got a critical system or you've got somebody who's a user who is going to yell at you if you inflict something new on them and then it doesn't work right, um, this is why my iMac at home is not going to get lying for a little while, <laughs> um, you might want to wait because it's – not because it's particularly buggy, it's but it's a new version. It's a it's it's 10.7.0, right? And it's going to have quirks that it's going to be, you know, there'll be a bug fix update or two to smooth it all out. So if you want to be on the cutting edge, I say go for it because you are going to want to run Lion. But if you, uh, you know, you do take the risk you always take with brand new software. And the other advice that always goes along with that is make sure the applications that you need to use every day are updated for Lion before uh, yes. you install yes. because uh, if, you've got, if you're using PowerPC apps um, don't yeah. upgrade to Ro- Lion as we've <laughs> discussed before um, Rosetta is no longer in Lion so yeah PowerPC only apps are are they, they show up as little you know circles with lines through them you know skull and crossbones with smoke coming at me they, they basically you know <laughs> do they, they really because that would be a no, wonderful graphic no touch. no but it's something it's something with you know a, an air a line drawn through it and they're grayed out you know so those won't work and then also yeah you can go to um if you if you open up the uh is it is it System Profiler? I think will actually list Crit- all the apps mm-hmm. on your system. Crit- and it, Christopher it'll... Brain uh, did a, a series of articles at MacWorld.com that show you how to tell if your apps will run. We'll of course include a link to those in the show notes. Right, you if, can see if it's PowerPC. If you or are not. listening to this and and plagued with doubt, and even even the apps that technically will run that are either Intel only or Universal apps, you do need to make sure that they've been updated to properly run with Lion because some applications will function somewhat or some will not have all the features. So, you know, as always, make sure if there's something you need to use every day, make sure that uh, the company says Lion supported. Yeah, and back up before you do the upgrade just in case you have to roll back. Yes, back up. Run uh, disk utility, check everything. You know that you, the usual advice, which which we go through um, in detail on MacWorld.com. Right. As I sit here looking at MacWorld.com, I see that Lion is not the only thing that happened today. What? Oh. No, no, it's true. It is true. It's true. Jason, tell us more. Um, I was up at the crack of dawn today to announce uh, some interesting things from Apple. There's a new. MacBook Air 
that I think people have been waiting for, and I actually think it's going to be a big success for them, which is the new MacBook Air, same prices as the old ones. For the, the There's sort of a low-end 11-inch and a high-end 11-inch, and then a low-end 13 and a high-end 13. Big, the big changes, they have Thunderbolt now, so it's that it's still emerging but super high-speed connectivity. I remember when the Air first came out, it had one USB port. Well, now it's going to have Thunderbolt, plus USB ports, and the Thunderbolt port is super fast. So the air is kind of open to the rest of the world now, which is exciting. There'll be like, you know, in the next few months, we'll see like FireWire adapters for it and Gigabit Ethernet will work with it when somebody makes an adapter. Um, And so in addition to Thunderbolt, uh, it's using Core i5 processors now, which is the Sandy Bridge family of of processors. They're ultra-low voltage versions, but basically that's a much, much faster processor than the Core 2 duos that it was using before. Even at the same clock speeds, they're, even at lower clock speeds, they're faster. And um, we ran some tests on the 13-inch model that bear that out. It is, a, it is a noticeably faster system than the predecessors. And then there's backlit keyboard on them now, which was missing from the, the, the previous generation, uh, which I think a lot of people are going to like. I, I think it's going to be a big a success for Apple. I think the 11-inch, uh, 999 11-inch MacBook uh, Air with a Core i5 processor in it is a pretty powerful product um, that's also small and relatively cheap, the cheapest Mac uh, MacBook you can buy. Um, and it, it is the cheapest MacBook you can buy also because today, moment of silence, the MacBook, the white plastic unibody 999 MacBook with no Firewire and you know, basically, it's the it was the cut rate MacBook. It's dead. It's been removed, discontinued. The G four cube is leading it is its spirit guide and leading it towards the light. Yes, iCards is beckoning it forwards. <laughs> yes, and iTools is steering the boat across the rivers. Yes, to, no, to, the, to the land no, where Apple products, products go. The land of wind and ghosts. Yes. The yes. band sticks is playing in the background. Yes, it's there go- we go. It's gone. The MacBook is gone. Maybe it'll come back someday. But for now. The uh, the great legacy of the iBook and the MacBook has has gone into history, and and if you want a, a Mac laptop for the lowest price possible, the answer is the 11 inch 999, two gigabytes of memory, 64 gig uh, flash storage, um, Core i5 MacBook Air, which is not not too bad. And then the other great news about the MacBook Air is that they're more upgradable. The 11s were less upgradable. Than the 13s were the last time, but now you can upgrade the high end of either model to 256 gigs of flash storage, and um, you can upgrade either high end 11 or 13 to a, a Core i7 processor. Which uh, can't wait to get our hands on one of those and see how like an 11 inch with a Core i7 performs, and if it, if it turns red hot or it sucks its <laughs> battery dry or if it just sort of runs and runs fast. We'll we'll have to see, but they are definitely faster in my. You know, a couple days with the 13. If you go to Macworld.com, you can read all about the MacBook Air. You can read about the the late lamented MacBook. You can read news about Lion. You can read a very long, very in-depth review. There's a lot. Of, of Lion. Listeners, that's not all. Coming soon to Macworld.com, an installation guide that can walk you through. We have Macworld editors who will be previewing Every feature that we can we can possibly put into to, to, to writing. Basically, all this is going to uh, roll out on Macworld.com over the next few days. 
open your browser to Macworld.com, keep hitting refresh. If someone tries to open a new page, you have the legal right to break their thumbs. Or you can go to Macworld.com slash lion, I believe, and you'll see all our lion coverage in right. one place. Turn up the knob. And then break their thumbs. Break off the knob. Um, it leaves me. Uh, the only thing left to do now is to thank editorial director Jason Snell. Thank you, Phil. Senior editor Jonathan Seth. Thank you. And staff editor Serenity Caldwell. Why, thank you. Can for, we go back to sleep now? Yes, we can. Uh, for stopping by and sharing, dropping all this lion knowledge on you this early Wednesday morning. Uh, thank you, listeners, and this is Philip Michaels letting you know that this week's podcast has been brought to you by Many Tricks, makers of fine Mac software. For this week's podcast listeners, Many Tricks is offering 20% off Moom, their tool to help you easily move, resize, and arrange windows. Visit ManyTricks.com slash Moom and use coupon code MoomRiver in your shopping cart to take advantage of this discount. 